Well, we are, um, I don't know, what is this week five? I can't count. Of looking at platitudes, um, things that we often say um, mostly without thinking, and sometimes they're platitudes that we say when that we just have nothing else that we can think of to say in the midst of trouble. Um, but they are things that we really ought to take a deeper look at. And um, you may be wondering by this time, as I have, um, folks have given me feedback that uh, these sermons have been a little bit challenging, and for some folks they, they say I'm messing with their theology and their understanding of God. Uh, because it seems as if uh, somewhere along the line, uh, things like God has a plan, or everything happens for a reason, or God doesn't give us more than we can handle, or God is in control, um, for uh, some reason, those have given us a degree of comfort. A and we have really bought into uh, those uh, platitudes. But, um, and so today, I'm going to talk a little bit about God is in control. What in the world do we do with God is in control? I mean, obviously, if you've been listening for the last three weeks, and you've heard me say, I don't believe that God causes everything to happen for a reason. Or, and I don't believe that God has a blueprint for our lives. And I don't believe that um, anywhere in Scripture it says that God won't give us more than we can handle. Maybe you're beginning to wonder, does the pastor think that God is sovereign and all-powerful? Or uh, what is his problem? Well, I don't know if I'm going to answer that for you today or not. But um, I am going to attempt to tackle uh, this platitude of God is in control. Um, and, and I want to start by, by just uh, reading some sayings that if you go on to uh, Google, um, that you can find if you type in God has a plan or God is in control or any of those things. And, and you begin to look at some of the bumper stickers and things that people put up. Here are some of the sayings that you find. God is in control. You are right where God wants you to be. That sounds good, right? As long as you're in a good place. Um, your life may not be going like you planned it, but it's going exactly the way God planned it. Kind of sounds good, um, in, unless you're a person in the middle of trouble, uh, but maybe that gives us a little comfort. Um, I can rest in the fact that God is in control. It will all work out in God's timing. Now, we, we like that one, don't we? Um, or this one. Whether it is clear to you or not, God is in control. Submit to that. Accept that. And you'll see that everything is unfold, unfolding just like it should be. And so I guess if we embrace that, um, COVID-19 is just as it should be. God must wanted it. God must have orchestrated it, yes? I don't know. Uh, here's another one. Whatever life may bring, always be prepared. Don't be hurt or discouraged. Don't be sad or dismayed. God is in control, and God knows what is best. I, these are actual sayings I have found by Christian leaders, folks that um, I chose not to tell you who they are, uh, because um, you would probably think maybe I was a heretic challenging some of these based on the people who say them. Don't be sad or dismayed. 
I mean, Jesus weeps in Scripture. I, I don't quite get that. God knows what is best for us. Or, or here's another one that I came across. All people, believers and non-believers, they experience anxiety and frustration and heartache and disappointment. Some suffer intense physical pain and catastrophic um, tragedies. But what should distinguish the suffering of believers from unbelievers is the confidence that our suffering is under the control of an all-powerful, all-loving God. Our suffering has meaning and purpose in God's eternal plan, and he brings or allows into our lives only what gives him glory and only what is good. Now, I guess on the surface, that sounds pretty good. But I got to be honest with you. I don't know when it happened in my life or in my world, but at some point in time, there came this clash. I have said many of these things. I got to admit, I have said many of these things in my past. I grew up hearing these in the church and embracing them wholeheartedly. But at some point in my life, I began to, to find it harder and harder to hold together this view of God being all controlling and all loving at the same time. Now, maybe you all have not had that crisis, but, but I had this crisis of, of how do I hold these two things together? I've said them all along. God is in control and God is all loving. And if we don't understand it, it's because our thoughts aren't God's thoughts. Those are exact words I'm sure that I have said. But at some point in time, I don't know if it was when, um, when friends of ours in church lost a child and I heard people saying to them, well, God wanted you to lose that child. Now, they didn't say it in that terms, uh, but by using things like this, basically what they were saying is that God wanted you to experience the loss of a child and you'll see how that's good in the future. Uh, when I shared my story uh, uh, of how I came to Christ in search of a loving father, and I share the part about my, my biological dad dying in a car wreck when I was two and a half years old, and I began to hear people responding back something to the extent, at least this is how I heard it. Wow, isn't it interesting how um, your dad dying, that God... Um, that, that God, in your dad dying, allowed you to come to God. Almost as if it's like God needed to kill your dad so you could come to Jesus. That wasn't very comforting. And in part, it made me feel pretty bad. I mean, if the only way that God could get me to accept Jesus was to kill my dad. Wow. You, you see, I began to have this crisis. How do I bring these together? I mean, if I believe that God is all controlling, that everything happens for a reason, that God has a plan, then I have to believe, I have to be able to say to somebody who I am counseling, when they come and they talk about being raped, I have to be able to say to them, don't be sad or dismayed. God is in control and God knows what is best for you. And so somehow this rape is best for you. I need to be able to sit down with someone who has experienced child abuse, and I need to be able to say to them, well, if you're a Christian, you'll see this differently. Non-Christians might be upset by this, but you're a Christian. 
You're not upset by this. You understand that this was caused by God. And God only allows into your life what gives him glory and what is for your good. Now, I don't know, maybe some of you could sit in front of someone and tell them those words. I certainly could not. And I came to realize that I had allowed this view of God's sovereignty rather than God's love to control my picture of God. You see, I don't think God can be all controlling and all loving. Now, that sounds like heresy to some. I get it. Uh, but I've shared stories uh, throughout this week from Scripture about how it seems to me it's clear that God doesn't cause everything to happen. And, and I'll just share another one um, this week from Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Um, this is right before the flood. The Lord saw that humanity had become thoroughly evil on the earth and that every idea their minds thought up was completely evil. The Lord regretted making, hum making human beings on the earth, and he was heartbroken. Well, now, if God causes everything to happen, if everything happens according to God's plan, why is God upset? Why does God regret what he did? He designed it that way. Why is God heartbroken? You see, I think there's hints throughout Scripture uh, that, that indicate that this view that we have of God's sovereignty is messed up. Now, it is not that God is not sovereign. Do you hear me? Um, you may be thinking, well, he doesn't think God's all-powerful. He doesn't think God is sovereign. Um, no, you're wrong. I do believe those things. You see, I began to realize that somewhere in Christendom, really, uh, we have begun to understand God being all-powerful as God being all-controlling. Somehow we equated those two. If God is all-powerful, then God is all-controlling. I suspect we got to that point because as human beings, if we were all-powerful, we would be all-controlling, wouldn't we? If we had all the power, we would make everybody do what we wanted. Yes? I, I'm, I know my daughter, I hope, you're, I hope she's listening today. I'm going to pick on her a little bit today. Um, I know she's popular about saying, just make me dictator and I'll make everything well because I'll make everybody do what I want them to do. Most days I think she's right, but I'm not sure about every day. And I, have, I haven't asked her husband, Jesse, if he thinks that's right or not. Um, I'll get a text on that one. Maybe she's not listening today. Um, but see, we, we, we have conflated God's all of powerfulness with control. And I think part of that is that we think that to be in all powerful means that God has to be coercive. In other words, isn't that what we mean when everything will happen as God planned it? Isn't that a definition of coercive? We don't think of it in terms when we think of God. Or we think that God is manipulative, right? Somehow God manipulates human beings to do what, um, to unknowingly do exactly what God wants us to do. 
so that we don't know that we're doing what he wants us to do. So we still feel guilty when we do it, uh, but God is somehow pulling the strings and causing us to do it. Is it true that to be all-powerful, God must be all-controlling? Is it possible to be all-powerful and not to exercise that power through coercion and manipulation and control? Well, I don't know. Look at Jesus. Have you ever thought, I mean, we say Jesus is the perfect revelation of God, yes? Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. He's the revelation of the divine, and he's the revelation of who we were intended to be as humans. Was Jesus coercive? Was Jesus manipulating? Was Jesus controlling? I, I challenge you, I have searched the Gospels. And I can't find a place where Jesus was coercive. I can't find a place where Jesus manipulated people. He, I mean, he told people where they stood with him. I can't find a place where Jesus sought to control. Think about it. Can you? I mean, sometimes we, we say that and we act as if Jesus entered our flesh so that he could gain control. I don't know, when I read the Gospels, it seems as if God entered our flesh so he could demonstrate God's goodness and God's love. That's sure how I read Scripture. When he heals people, when he touches people, when he casts out uh, demons, what I see is not a, a God seeking for control, but a God who is demonstrating God's love, demonstrating what happens when God enters into the world and enters into the midst of people. Again, let me say very clearly, I believe that God is all-powerful, and I believe that God is sovereign. But to say that God is sovereign simply means that God does not answer to anybody else. To say that God is all-powerful says that no one has power over God. Nobody can cause God to, or, or make God do what God does not want to do. Yeah, there's still things with this that we have to grapple with. If those things are true, uh, then um, it means that the way that God has created the world or that God created the world in such a way that bad things could happen and that evil might exist. Um, and we have to acknowledge that, yes, God created the world in such a way. But God has never once blamed anybody else for that. God acknowledges that he is the one who has created this world. So what does it mean then to say God reigns? Or why is it that we struggle with this? Or how is it that God is controlling? Well, I suggest that we, um, we can go back to Genesis, actually, and look in the creation. God created humans. And he gave humans dominion, control over this world. God allowed humans to be stewards of this world. And in Psalm 8, we read these words. 
Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. You made your glory higher than heaven from the mouths of nursing babies. You have laid a strong foundation because of your foes in order to stop vengeful enemies. When I look up at the skies, at what your fingers made, the moon and the stars that you set firmly in place, what are human beings that you think about them? What are human beings that you pay attention to them? You've made them only slightly less than divine crowning them with glory and grandeur. You let them rule over your handiwork, putting everything under their feet. All sheep, all cattle, the wild animals too, the birds in the sky, the fish of the ocean, everything that travels the pathway of the sea. What does Psalm 8 say? God has... God is so um, content, so certain of, of his knowledge and power that he has chosen to share his power and his rule over this world with humanity, with us. Now, sometimes I wonder if we like to use things like everything happens for a reason or God has a plan or God is in control Because we want to set aside our own responsibilities. These passages make it clear that God created the world in such a way that human decisions and human actions and human behaviors have real consequences in this world. That's a scary thing, but it is also an empowering thing. Because it means that we can use it to do good, not just to do bad. If we look at how God demonstrates his power in Jesus, we see that God uses his power in a much different way than humans does. Rather than through coercion and manipulation and controlling, Jesus came and he used his power by sharing the wisdom of God with people, by seeking to influence people. And convince them that the best way to live is according to God's direction and God's guidelines and in connection with God. Jesus came to demonstrate the power of God by demonstrating God's love for humanity. There was nothing that humans could do that would keep God from loving them. Right? Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Jesus, in his healing of people, in the walking of this earth, he didn't demonstrate a power of coercion and manipulation and controlling, but one of sharing wisdom and love. You see, God. God is so secure in his knowledge of his power that he is willing to share that control with humanity. God is so sovereign and so knowing that God is not worried that we can so mess up the world that he will be unable to redeem it and to heal it and to save it and to restore it. But at the same time, When he does those things, he works through human agency 
and it requires human cooperation. God is so knowledgeable and so um, powerful that he reigns in this way that involves us. God can promise that he will bring good out of evil. But in order to do so, human beings have to cooperate with God. God can anticipate every possible future and he can adjust his game plan to bring about redemption, restoration, and healing. But he does so by working and partnering with humans. He doesn't do it in a pre-programmed way or a coercive way or a manipulating way or a controlling way, but he does it through cruciform love. Revealing that love in new ways and inviting others to participate. Well, you may be wondering, but, but pastor, if God isn't in control, how does God win? Are, are you suggesting that maybe the outcome is not, we, we don't already know the outcome? I, I mean, how does God win if he's not coercive and manipulating and controlling? How does God win? Well, what if there's another way for God to win that doesn't compromise God's goodness and God's love? What if to say that God is sovereign, we are really saying God's love never fails. God's love continues to reach out to redeem people's past, continues to heal those who receive it, continues to bring about restoration in the midst of brokenness and about wholeness. What if in God's sovereignty, what if God can be sovereign and rule and all-powerful in such a way that even when evil thinks it has won, by nailing the, the Son of God, the Messiah, to a cross and, and having him suffer and die, what if even when evil thinks it has won by torturing Jesus and killing him and burying him in the ground, that God just laughs and says, is that all you got? I mean, seriously, that's the best you can do? And God says, watch this. And he raises Jesus from the dead. And he says, death does not have the last word. Your attempts to coerce and manipulate and control, they have no power over my love and my goodness. And God creates new possibilities that confound the powers of evil. And they demonstrate that cruciform love always wins. You see, God is not an all-controlling God. The next time we can't think of anything to say in the midst of trouble, rather than saying, um, God's in control, God has a plan. It's all a part of God's plan. Why don't we say, God is good, and God is love, 
And God knows your suffering because he entered into it and he comes alongside you in the midst of that suffering to love you and to show his goodness. And he invites us to share and demonstrate that love in our neighborhoods and the world. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a God. That's a God who I can sit down with anybody and regardless of their circumstances say, this God is the answer that you need. Experience his love and his grace. Allow him to heal your brokenness. Allow him to make you whole. This is the God I serve and worship. Amen.